0: SNAP Production. Would you prefer to get one big needle or hundreds of tiny ones? I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto and this is The Science Briefing. You probably think of a vaccination as a needle being jabbed into your arm. And you'd be right. Injectable vaccines do the job well. They get whatever's in the syringe into your bloodstream the fastest. But... Could the jab soon be a thing of the past? Today, I talk to Cosmos magazine journalist Ellen Fiddian about vaccine patches that you can print and whether or not they're the jab of the future. Okay, Ellen. So we're talking about printable vaccines. My understanding is that they're much smaller than regular injectable vaccines, right? And this is very good news for people, maybe like me, who have a wee bit of a needle phobia.
1: Yeah, it is good news. So instead of the traditional liquid needle, these vaccines are little patches that you put on your skin. Mm -hmm. Theoretically, they're definitely not the big vaccine needles that we're used to. They look a lot less scary. They are a few years away from use, these specific vaccines. And it's also worth noting that they do have needles in them. So they're patches with very, very small needles between sort of a 25th and a 38th, the length of a regular needle.
0: Okay. I can get behind these tiny, tiny needles. I'm into that idea, but let's expand on the printable part in printable vaccines. I want to know what this means, Ellen. Does this mean these vaccines are actually printed using a 3D (laughs) printer or something like that?
1: Not even really a 3D printer. They're about the size of a regular office printer, but they don't look exactly like one. Mm -hmm. They're basically these big flat moulds that use robotic arms to fill the moulds with ink, and then the ink is sucked into the microneedle moulds below through this vacuum that's placed underneath them.
0: Principal vaccines aside, I know we've already got other types of vaccinations out there. So, you know, it's not just jabs in the arm at this stage, right?
1: So there are things like oral vaccines. They're usually a bit harder to make, though, because they have to survive our stomach acid and all the other parts of our gastrointestinal system are designed to destroy pathogens. So if you swallow a vaccine, your stomach's probably going to break down the important parts that are designed to trigger your immune system, and it's quite hard to avoid that. Sure. But the thing to remember is that These oral and intranasal vaccines have been tested and used on humans. These printable vaccines haven't yet. But some researchers are in the very early stages of seeing how humans might respond to them.
0: OK, so what can you tell us about what these researchers are actually doing? As you can tell, Ellen, I'm now emotionally invested in the success of these printable patches.
1: So there's a team of researchers at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology that have developed their own vaccine printer, and they've actually used it to print out some vaccine patches and they're testing them on mice.
0: Ah, mice. We love some mice testing. (laughs) That is pretty standard in the way they go about testing things like medications, namely new medications.
1: Yes, that's absolutely correct. Most governments in the world require animal testing before they're going to let you test a new medication on people. Right. Mice and rats are pretty popular choices for animal testing because they're mammals and they have a few similar biological features to humans. So they're susceptible to a lot of the similar diseases. Mm Mm-hmm. Mice are bred for scientific research, and often they're intentionally inbred to make them very genetically similar so that you can get really predictable, uniform results in your mice.
0: Oh, okay. So we're inbreeding mice for our convenience. That's like weirdly depressing thought.
1: Yeah, there are many serious ethical conversations to be had around breeding and using mice for science. Millions of them are euthanized every single year. So as you can imagine, there are people who are completely against it. I think it's worth noting that basically every scientific institution in the world has rules in place to minimize the number of animals they can use in testing as much as possible and make them as comfortable as possible while they're using them. Mm -hmm. The trick is that if we didn't use mice, the alternative would be testing things on humans. So I guess the calculation we've made is that it's better to kill a mouse with a new treatment than it is to kill a human. And mice specifically, we use a lot because we've used them for so long and we're very familiar with their biology and how they work.
0: So those conversations aside, what are the researchers doing with these printable vaccines and the mice right now?
1: The printable vaccine these researchers have developed contains mRNA to protect against Mm COVID-19. So, it's very similar to the mRNA in the Pfizer and the Moderna COVID vaccines. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about before, there is a bit of a process behind making these patches. The mRNA in the ink needs to be produced in the same way that mRNA in modern vaccines is currently produced. Sure. So basically that means putting it into a really, really large, very expensive fermenter. It's kind of like a big beer fermenter but much, (laughs) much, much cleaner. (laughs) So to make an mRNA vaccine, a fermenter like this will be filled with bacterial cells which basically you're using the bacterial cells as tiny factories to make more mRNA. Okay. And then unlike injectable vaccines, these patches are then mixed with ingredients to help the patch dry out. These researchers used a couple of different polymers, basically resins, and these polymers, which are used in other medical treatments as well, like ones used in contact lenses. Oh, okay. They help the vaccine to dry out and basically form a little solid patch. Mm -hmm. So then once the researchers made them, they tested them on these mice and they found that the mice had the same immune response to the patches as they do to standard injectable mRNA vaccines.
0: Okay, that sounds significant. So this basically showed the researchers that these printable vaccines actually worked.
1: Yeah, looks like they do.
0: And so what does this mean for humans then? I mean, how far off are we from getting a printable version of this vaccine for us?
1: So now that they know it works on mice, the researchers can start to work on making it safe for humans. Mm -hmm. But just because something works in mice doesn't mean it's necessarily ever going to work in humans. And if it does, we're years away from it being a reality. Sure. So, to get a vaccine approved in Australia, you need to show that the product is safe and effective in animal models, then you have to show that it's safe for a small number of people, then you need to prove that it's effective in a small number of people, and then you need to prove that it's effective in a large number of people. Right. So that's a super, super simplified version of the process. The steps are really elaborate. They all take a lot of time and a lot of work. So sometimes these things don't even get through the animal model stage. And then it's back to square one. And the researchers have put a lot of time and money getting there. So you can imagine it's a really, really laborious and long process. Mm -hmm. This whole approval process can take five years, sometimes even longer.
0: Wowza. So I'm guessing no patches for our next COVID boosters then?
1: No, the next thing you book at your pharmacy is going to be a needle again, I'm afraid. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of other questions around delivering these vaccines as well. So one example is sanitisation. It's a different process to injectable vaccines and we have to figure out how we can sort of safely and effectively clean these printers and the vaccines themselves so that they're a standard that's considered safe to go in human bodies. And again, the restrictions around that are really tough for medications. Mm -hmm. So we still don't really have the answers to how this is going to work when we start rolling them out to huge amounts of people.
0: The biggest question remaining for me, Ellen, is why are we doing this? Injectable vaccines seem to do the job pretty well. So, if the system isn't broken, why fix it?
1: It's not broken in Australia, but a really common problem with typical injectable vaccine delivery is that most of the vaccines need to be refrigerated. And if they're not refrigerated correctly, they're not going to be usable. So, for a place like Papua New Guinea, for example, where there's not as much electricity available and transport resources... It's not always possible to drive a refrigerated truck filled with vaccines to the people you want to get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And some vaccines need things even stronger than fridges. They need things like liquid nitrogen to keep vaccines cold. These printable patches don't need to be refrigerated. The things that turn them into a solid patch also preserve them. So they can be stored at room temperature for over six months. They can even remain stable for a month at 37 degrees Celsius. Wow. And they're also adaptable. You could use them for different types of vaccines with different inks. So say there's an Ebola outbreak, you could ship out the Ebola ink to people. There's also, there's not a ton of science on this, but these patches could be good for places where there's a lot of people who are very vaccine hesitant and particularly people who are concerned about using large needles. So these patches, you could theoretically put it on your arm yourself and it's not as alarming as a big traditional vaccine needle. Yeah,
0: someone in the needles are a little bit scary camp, give me a printable vaccine any day. Into it, let me know when they're ready, Ellen.
1: Yeah, look, if there was another pandemic tomorrow, we wouldn't be able to use these patches. But if we continue to work on the science, you know, a decade's time, maybe, you never know.
0: Ellen Fidian is a science journalist for Cosmos Magazine. You can read more of Ellen's reporting by heading to cosmosmagazine.com. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe. You can download the Listener app to listen for free. The Science Briefing is produced by listener and the Royal Institution of Australia. This episode was produced by Bonnie Lavelle. Mixing by Dave Stein. I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto. Catch you next time.